I shouldn't have to remind you. This is a family place. That means you keep your fingers out of the water, your hair out of the soup, and show the goddamn daughters a good time. All the daughters. Even the dogs. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen, and it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. Uh, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 67. The movie this week was Dirty Dancing from 1987, and joining me is a dear friend of mine, Chrissy. Hello. Hi. So... I had never seen this movie before, and when we were talking, um, you wanted to, to do the show, and you brought up Dirty Dancing. I'm like, oh, I haven't actually watched that one, so that became the movie, and boy, since then, so many people, even people that I didn't expect would, would react that way, were like, you've never seen Dirty Dancing? <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, it's one of those movies that I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that hasn't seen it, but you know, the funny thing is is well i say that now but i was talking to one of my best friends from high school and she's like oh yeah i've never seen that either and i was like <laughs> how have you hung out with me and not seen this movie but then i remembered her mom wouldn't let her watch it which was probably a good choice back then now that i'm a parent so <laughs> yeah i can kind of see that because um, you know i watched this when i was very little so questionable parenting decisions but you know i turned were, out all right there were a lot of those that happened in the 80s um, yeah, I think so. Clearly, because so, all of us know the movie. So, right. <laughs> so yeah, 1987 uh, stars Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze. Um, also has Jerry Orbach in it and um, a small role with Wayne Knight. Uh, that's really the actors of, of note in this movie. Um, nobody right. else I can think of from anything else. Wayne Knight is Wayne Knight. I, immediately when I saw him on screen, I just said, Newman. And, That's exactly what I said. That's that hilarious. It. I totally forgot he was in it. <laughs> I did, however, capture his laugh uh, when he's doing some of his comedy. And now I have this on a soundboard forever because it's Wayne, uh, it's Wayne Knight laughing. <laughs> it's incredibly obnoxious. And now I can play it and just piss people off. It's awesome. There you um, go. It was worth it. <laughs> so Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze, they're the leads. They're going to carry this movie. Um, mm -hmm. I'll give my overall thoughts on the movie in a little bit. But mm -hmm. I, I like to start off with the cast. I like Patrick Swayze. Um, I liked mm -hmm. him in Red Dawn. I liked him in, uh, he had a small role in uh, Donnie Darko, I remember, that mm -hmm. was pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. Um, you know, I've liked him in a lot of stuff. Roadhouse, obviously. Um, a lot of people mention that one. He's fine in this. I don't think he's great. Um, I felt like, it felt to me like he slipped in and out of his street persona too much. Like there were scenes where he was very much playing that part and being the street tough, streetwise kind of guy, but I, for whatever reason, other scenes just didn't fit that for me. Um, I don't know. What what did you think of him in this, uh, and what do you think of Patrick Swayze overall? Well, I have you know a kind of a unique perspective on this now. I think um, watching it again as an adult, um, I watched it pretty much when it came out. So you know, I was under the age of 10. And um, so now watching it back then, Patrick Swayze was the man for me, mm -hmm. you know, that was, you know, the lead, the great thing. He was wonderful, but watching it now as an adult, I do agree with you. He very much, uh, I felt his character was very underdeveloped. I didn't think you got a lot of sense of why Johnny was the way he was because uh, he just seemed very flippant a lot, you know, like you said, in and out. Yeah. And that was kind of what I got was it just, it never felt consistent to me. Right. Um, I mean, and he's not bad. His dancing is amazing. Um, and I did do yes. a little bit of research on some of the background to this. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, on Netflix, there's a series called the movies that made us. Um, I think it's like, yes, four I episodes. am. The only one I hadn't watched was on dirty dancing. Cause I'd never seen the movie. So I went ahead and watched it. Uh, now I'd even know. I'll have to and, watch it. um, one of the things was he, he has a dance background. Uh, that's not unknown, but right. the, the amount of pain that he put himself through to make this movie was pretty impressive. Apparently, he had had a knee injury when he was playing football in high school. So hmm. he wasn't putting dance on a lot of his acting resumes because of that and because he wanted to be known as an actor, not a dancer. 
so he's doing all his own dancing, all his own stunts, and that that scene where he jumps off the stage, he, um, yes, Monica, thank you, Mo- Monica in the chat room, like pretty much forced me to watch the movies that made us about this. So she's got to get in and dig about that. Um, there you but go. He, I guess he just did that that jump over and over and over to the point where he walked over to the choreographer and he's like, "Look, I've got one left in me. Okay, I can't do it anymore." They did the last one, and that's what they used in the movie. So well, he did pretty good. I, I wouldn't have noticed. So yeah, I mean, so he's a mark of a good actor, right? Yeah, yeah. He he was willing to put himself through all that. His he's a phenomenal dancer. Uh, and, he is. and I knew that about him already. And you could see some of that in Roadhouse, which I have seen mm-hmm. martial arts and dance are, they're not that far apart. So mm-hmm. you can see that, that basis for it. Um, so I thought his dancing was great. I just thought him as the role of Johnny Castle was okay. Wasn't bad. Wasn't great either. I've seen much better out of him, even in that time period in, the, in the mid to late eighties, like, like this movie was set. Jennifer Gray, on the other hand, again, was fine, but, sort of the same thing it felt very disjointed there were scenes where she was being portrayed as very headstrong and very progressive thinking and then you'd have another scene where she was almost afraid of her own shadow right some of that i get was she was supposed to be that a little bit i i kept writing notes to myself wondering how old are these characters supposed to be yeah turns out she's supposed to be 17 he's supposed to be 20 right now i did not know that i thought he was much older but i i knew she was under 18 yeah so she jennifer gray was 27 when they made the movie right well yeah obviously but the the characters i Mm -hmm. met were well and and i like to point that out because sometimes you get actors that are closer to those ages but she was 10 years older she looked 17 to 18 i can buy that she did she really did patrick swayze was 35 when they made this movie Holy. So he's like our age right now yeah. with a, wow. And, you know, he's playing I mean, he was only 27, but still, I mean, but when you look at them on screen, though, I mean, they, I feel like they look very different in age. I feel like she looks like a young girl and he looks like a much older man, which I didn't really get when I was younger, but now I do as an adult. And I, yeah. I don't know what that's all about, but yeah, I, I could see that now. So. And again, she was fine in this. I thought her dancing was good. You could tell um, she didn't have nearly the dancing background that Patrick Swayze did, but she was convincing in a lot of it. She definitely held her own. I will say that the characterization uh, of her in terms of the dancing part of things made no sense to me whatsoever. Because at the beginning of the movie, she's supposed to not even know how to do the merengue. And then I can't get a grasp of the time frame of this movie to Mm -hmm. know how long it's supposed to take place over. They mentioned something when they first arrived at the beginning of the movie about it being like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Something about three weeks here will feel like a year. So I assumed it was they were there for three weeks. Right. But from the time she says, I can't even do the merengue until she's doing the dance uh, with Patrick Swayze at the other resort. is what, like four days? And it seems like that. Like, uh, unless I'm wrong. And she just learns all of it. That made no sense to me. I don't my like I couldn't wrap my brain around that. And I tried to to, you know, um suspend disbelief, but I just I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. She learned how much and what what period of time? Like it doesn't make any sense. Once again, I think it goes to like the underdevelopment of the characters and the I think the story is more focused on the dancing and the music, and they kind of uh lacked on those character tra- traits and things like that, and the development of it. Now, Kit London in the chat brings up something, and this is true. Uh, Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze did not get along. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, so, which is surprising. They had an amazing chemistry on screen. They really did. They got cast largely because of their chemistry in their uh, screen test with each other. Um, Hmm. But they had worked together previously on Red Dawn, and apparently something from that made them not like each other. So, I in watching the movies that made us and doing some research and all that, Jennifer Gray was like, I don't want to work with Patrick Swayze. And he, he actually agreed to sit down and talk to her just one-on-one off by themselves to try to bury the hatchet and work together. They sort of did, they started working and then they would, they would um, just butt heads a lot on set too. So it's a, it's a testament to their skill as actors that they showed the chemistry that they did because apparently they just did not get along at all. I, 
had no idea. It's news to me. And once again, I watched this movie hundreds of times when I was younger. I, I, I would have never even guessed that because their chemistry is so good, which is surprising because, you know, Jennifer Grey didn't go on to do many things. Um, and I, you know, I'm not saying she's a great actress, but she was okay. So I wonder why that is. Well, I mean, she, you know, she was fine in Red Dawn. She was fine in Ferris Bueller's Day Off as the, as the older sister in this. Right. After that, um, not as much. Now, I don't know if you've seen pictures of her recently, but I her can't remember nose. when it was she had the nose job, but she looks like mm-hmm. a completely different person. Did you ever see that sitcom she was on in the probably early 2000s? Ooh, uh, she played herself, and the running joke in the show was that nobody would believe she was Baby from Dirty Dancing or Jennifer Grey because she had a nose job. And so the whole running joke of the whole show was that she was Jennifer Grey, but nobody ever huh. <laughs> really <laughs> noticed her. They were like, no, you're lying. So it was a pretty funny show. I forget what it was called. I have to... I'll try to find it for you. But yeah, no, um, I never remember her in any other movies after that, though. I remember her in Ferris Bueller and Dirty Dancing, and that was it. Just kind of like one of those uh, Phoebe I mean, Cates, did... maybe, that just kind of disappeared into the 80s Molly Ringwalds. <gasps> kind of, yeah. I mean, she did some TV movies. I'm looking at her her list right now. Uh, the show, I think the show you're talking about is called It's Like You Know. That's it. That's exactly okay. it. Um, I mean, she's done. She's still working up to today. Um, she was we on probably Connors. just don't recognize her. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be part of it. And Monica's <laughs> saying that she married Clark Gregg, which drives me crazy because I I wouldn't have guessed that at all. I but, don't. Who the, we'll have to remind me who's that? Uh, Clark Gregg is Agent Coulson from uh, from uh, Agents of Shield and the Marvel uh, the first Avengers. Oh movie. yes, 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 yes. I did not know that. Yeah, she's married to uh, Clark Gregg. Huh? Oh, did not very know interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah, even her IMDb photo, like the photo on her profile just doesn't even look like the same person at all. It doesn't. It's, it's amazing how much it changed her. And I, But I think she was cute with her big nose. So I, I, think, I so. think she should have kept it. I love it. It was a defining characteristic for her, I think. And uh, and I think maybe, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, it's her nose. She can do whatever she wants. With it. I just, <laughs> I just thought it was strange uh how different she looked after having that done and how much her her career very much changed it feels like after that maybe it was yeah. partly because just people didn't didn't recognize her i don't know right yeah maybe. um but yeah i think overall like again she's fine in it she and if she's playing a 17 year old i sort of get the mood swings a little bit um right it just it felt inconsistent and some of that i think comes down to this movie was very very low budget um yeah when you get a chance, watch that movies that made us because it's crazy to think about uh, and and hear about the what they went through getting this movie made. Like the title came before the story. Hmm. Uh, the producer and the writer um, were sitting down having lunch, and met, she mentioned Dirty Dancing as a thing that the writer had done when she was a kid because it's <laughs> it's not biographical, but apparently um, Eleanor Bergen Bergenstein, yeah, Bergstein. Eleanor Bergstein is who wrote it mm-hmm. and it's not biographical, but there are elements of her own personality um, and her, her life in it. She was, she had the nickname baby um, until she was oh, 22 okay. and uh, she would do the, she would go to parties and do, you know, dirty dancing like that at that, in the, that kind of era. That was a thing mm-hmm. that she did. So they were like dirty dancing. It's a million dollar title. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense at all, but I don't have a story around that. And the producer was like, <laughs> We've got the title. We'll make the story. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it's stuff like that. And uh, they had they didn't have a studio to to release this. It was like a, a, a home video studio that created oh, wow. became it was their first uh, major motion picture. And they put it out. Well, they, they certainly outdid themselves, I think. Well, yeah, they had a budget of six million roughly uh, to make this. It made. 64 million in the US, over 200 million worldwide is a huge success. Um, the studio that made it went bankrupt about four years later. Hmm. But, you know, I wonder why it was, I wonder now as an adult watching it, why it was such a huge success. Because honestly, the plot in the movie is not that strong. And I uh, am wondering, you know, why. Maybe it's because it was in the 80s and it has all the movie, the the music from the 60s, and it was like, 
you know, the adults of that time were feeling nostalgic and that's why they like the movie. I think that might have been the crutch of it. I think there's some of it. There, there's some of that. There's some of the fact that it um, it really caters to a, a teenage girl audience. Um, and they yes. really played that up in the marketing, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, like story-wise, plot-wise, I had a lot of issues. And really, my issues with this movie are that. Right. Dancing movies in general, movies about dancing, don't pull at me because it's just not something that um, that I'm into. So Flashdance or Footloose or any of those don't do a thing for me, really. Right. One thing this movie had going for it that those maybe didn't as much is there's underlying stuff that they were trying to tell, some, some more... Uh, you know, stuff about class structure, stuff about there. I mean, there's Ill, an illegal abortion that happens. In For the sure. Like, I, that was, you know, I, I remember that when I was younger and I remember it being, I not, I didn't know exactly what it was. Um, I, I just remember her getting pregnant and having some trouble and then getting in trouble and then everything was fine. Right. So in my, the point that kind of flew over my head because I had an older sister at the time who was very upset that my parents were letting me watch it. She's like, <laughs> that's not a lot of adult themes. And, but you know, all of that just went right over my head, but watching it again, I was very surprised that some of the deep issues it does tackle. I mean, uh, for instance, like the abortion issue, I mean, they, uh, I feel like it was easier for them to talk about abortion in the eighties than it is today because it's such a taboo subject, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, things like that. Yeah. And it's weird to think too, because it was very taboo then. Um, Yeah. But, But, you know, I think it was, they were trying to maybe uh, show it as a, how it's supposed to be a, a, a health decision for the woman. And, um, you know, they were watching out for their friend and protecting her. And um, I think that, you know, obviously it just really showed, though, that I feel like the conversation on that topic has really become so taboo. And, like, if they made that movie today, that would that would be completely controversial. And I don't remember it being I – mean, my parents – never talked about it back then you know so it wasn't that big of a deal but now i feel like it would be i think yeah and i think a, a big reason for that is that they didn't come right out and say exactly what was happening they really didn't they, they skirted around it and i think a movie like this tackling that subject today is going to be much more on the nose True. than this was but i give them credit for working that in for working in a lot of the social class stuff where you've got the the rich kids and the rich parents and then you've mm-hmm. got the working class um I, I liked that about it. I was very pleased um, from that end of it. It was just storytelling elements of it that that took me out of things. It made no sense. Like the time, like I mentioned earlier, the timeline made no sense. Are they there for three weeks or were they there for three months? Somebody in the chat brought up, uh, you know, they arrived at the beginning of summer and by the end of it, supposed to be towards the end of summer. It just, I never got that feeling, but so much happened that right. it almost ha- would have to be that. And, and I think it probably was the whole summer because they do mention a few times like the beginning of the summer and the end of the summer. And I think it's just supposed to be like assumed it was like, you know, a May through July or whatever. Yeah. It definitely has to be longer than the three weeks I was thinking when I was watching. Yeah. Uh, Cause sure. I kept I writing so. that down. I'm like, how did she learn this so quickly? Like baby's an amazing dancer. She could do it in three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I did, I never knew that this movie was set in the sixties. I assumed it was set contemporary to when it was made in the eighties based right. on the fact that the song everyone knows from it i i had the time of my life is a very 80s song right um so that it, that interested me at the beginning i'm like oh okay this isn't set when i thought it was it's set 1963 um mm-hmm. i'm fine with that like i didn't have a problem with that at all um it kind of gave a better backdrop for some of the social issues they were talking about um right. there were other things too so story wise like jerry orbach's character now i love jerry orbach He's great, mm-hmm. and he's great in this movie. His character, on the whole, is a very good man, and he's you know mm-hmm. he's able to say yes, I was wrong, but it felt forced in parts of his like the scene where he leaves from doing the uh, from checking on the girl, and he tells baby you know uh, I don't know who you are anymore. Felt right. so abrupt. I was yeah I was really surprised at that too it felt really i actually have some notes here that i wrote down when that happened because hold on one second 
I have like so many notes on the the whole thing with Penny. I just was shocked with it. I like the the part that that played, but let's see. Yeah. Oh, I I definitely was. Um. Yeah. He, I can't um, find him right now, so I'm gonna want to take up all your time. Let's no, see. that's fine. No, I just felt like there were parts like that felt to me like there was a scene missing. Like there was there was story missing to to give the rift growing between the two of them. Right. You know, all you got was basically them all getting along well, even when she asked him for money and he, uh, you know, he was willing to give it to her because she wanted to help somebody, even though she couldn't tell him why. And then the next scene you see the two of them in, he's like, I don't know who you are anymore. You're not the person I thought you were. Well, one thing he did ask her when he gave her the money is it illegal? Is if it was legal. Yeah. And and she doesn't and she she's like, you know, but the face that she gives, obviously. But I'm wondering if baby even knows what's going on. Because they never even say, you know, does baby know what this is? You know, Uh, she's so young and she is very shielded from the world, clearly, because she's discovering, you know, it seems like to me she lives with her father and he is a good man, but she's very shielded from the troubles of the rest of the world because she is a privileged child. So I think it's more like uh, she just thought somebody was in trouble. So did she actually know what was going on? Was that why they didn't say the word abortion? So that's what I wonder too. That could be, although she, she was well-versed enough in the world to know, like she makes the reference to the, the monk lighting himself on fire, which right. would have happened. Uh, that was what June of 1963, I think is when that happened. If I remember reading right. So right. She's up on current events. I don't, that's a good point. I don't know if maybe she just didn't realize exactly what was going on. Although she knew enough to know that it was going to a real doctor. But again, they never said outright what it was. They just said, oh, all he had was a dirty knife and a folding table. So maybe she didn't realize fully what exactly like what fully what was going on she just knew but then also you know i think it really uh just shows that baby is just no matter what's going on she wants to help and i think that's the important part that Mm -hmm. you did you get from baby absolutely and that's why i think you know by the end of the movie her dad has come around and realized that's that's what she's trying to do she's not meaning to do things that he doesn't like he she just wants to see the world be a better place Right. He comes around to that. And then when he finds out that his assumption that he made about Johnny was wrong, he's right. man enough to say, like, and he says, I mean, it's the line in the movie, when I'm wrong, I'll say that I'm wrong. Wrong. Which I really liked. Very relevant I too. For these I days. very much appreciated that because mm-hmm. we need that more. Like, we do. If you're wrong, just admit to being wrong and move on. Exactly. Um, no but, shame in that. Yeah. But I mean, overall, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad story. It just, I feel like there were parts of it missing. And some of that is production related, I'm sure, because they didn't have a lot of time right. or money to shoot this. Probably. They were, it was set in the summer. The resort that they had to shoot it at, I think they only had for like 14 days. And then they had to move mm-hmm. to a different location to shoot everything else. So, you know. Which, by the way, apparently that's a real place that you could go visit. And they have a dirty dancing night, I saw. Yeah, it is. And uh, <laughs> also the lake that was there is gone now. Uh-huh. Oh, really? The lake dried well, we, up. When I... When I first started watching it, I was like amazed. I'm like, what is this place? Do they still have these places? You know, I've never, but right. like, it was just this really cool little, little thing, I guess. So I was, I was really impressed by it. Um, so music in this movie obviously is going to play a huge part. Um, yes. the movie doesn't exist without music. And there was a lot in the behind the scenes about what they had to, how much they had to fight to get the songs that they wanted especially the the author, um, the, the screenwriter, Eleanor, really going for, and it has to be these songs, and they you know, found it in the budget to get and whatnot. Uh, but man, there were times where the musical cues in the movie just felt way too on the nose for me. Like, they start playing Hungry Eyes, and it's, it's just almost a close-up on her eyes, like staring, <laughs> undressing Johnny. And I was like, well, that, that seemed really on the nose. And there was another one later on. I think, I can't remember if I wrote a note about it or not, but there was a couple other times where the musical cue, I'm just like, you could be a little more, like a little more deft hand at where you, where you put these in, but you know, it, but like you said, it was marketed towards teen girls. So as a woman, 
who's been a teen girl that was spot on was spot on i think because that's what i really liked about the movie like when i was younger i didn't really care much about the plot i just like was into the music and the dancing of course i'm a huge music connoisseur anyway but um but yeah i really think i i, I get what you mean but i think it might have been on purpose oh i'm sure and the the period specific music that they played I loved, I loved all the scenes with that. There were times where some of the music didn't fit and, and not, not just the, the final song, which I'll get to here in a minute. Right. But, um, there was one song I actually wrote myself a note. I'm like, why is Huey Lewis music playing in the sixties? <laughs> I didn't even realize I swear that, it was yeah. a Huey Lewis song. And there's a couple others. Most of the songs that were playing when they'd show the dancing scenes were, a, you know, good for the period. They made sense. That one stood out to me. And then the final song, I get it. You got to have an original song for this. You got to have something you can really market to and really, really play off of. I think it won an Oscar maybe, or it won it some did. awards for best original it did song. Yeah. Was it Oscar? I didn't okay. even know it was wrote for the, written for the movie until I watched it again. I, I just thought it was an eighties pop song. And then I'm like, Oh wow, that was written for <laughs> dirty dancing. You Honestly, know, I learned I a lot too. this week. Yeah. I did too until I did research on it. But yeah. the thing about it that, that threw me off is Johnny's got it on a 45 record. And he, he sets it down, they play it. And the music guy in me, the first thing I hear is the snare drum with a gated reverb. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, so this is from the 80s. Because right. that was developed, I think, in the late 70s, that whole sound. Right. So I was like, I'm immediately Definitely. taken out of this scene. Like, I, I can't, I can no longer take this seriously with all these people. Plus, that for me is the scene in the movie that's like, it's the big climactic scene. I get it. It works for the movie that it is. But at the same time, now we've gone into a musical. Because now exactly. we've got everybody everybody joining in the dance from the, the dancing crew. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. nobody else in the building is doing jack shit about it. Like, nobody's trying to <laughs> stop him at all. Um, I know. So, and Kit London it, it saying is, You know, I don't. I don't like musicals. I'm not a fan of musicals. I don't like purpose, you know, the musicals where they all break out in song. But I don't know, the end of that, it was a musical, but it was kind of cool, I think. I liked it. You know, the way they all kind of get together and come together and, and show all those people what they're all about, I guess. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and look, for the movie that they're making, it fits. Uh, it's just... I'd, I, I'm already suspending a lot of disbelief and then I start hearing the music and the music doesn't yeah. fit. It's anachronistic to the, to the movie. So I'm, I'm getting taken out of things more and now you're going to layer this on top of it. Like I have a level at somewhere. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It was very, very much an 80 song. And, um, and, but you know, while I'm watching the movie, it uh it didn't take me out because i like all the songs but i could see how it could do that for you so i don't know yeah. maybe it's just nostalgic for me and so i'm like oh, oh I, I don't know and and look nostalgia can play into a lot of things like there's a lot of movies that i like from the 80s and the 90s that i know objectively are not good and right. i can understand the arguments against them but i love them because they mean something to me personally if right. this is a movie that means something to you that's awesome like i'm i'm all for that Maybe I and and I don't think even if I had seen it in my younger years, maybe not eighty seven, mm -hmm. but like early nineties, I'm starting to hit early teenage years. Maybe I still don't think it would have done a whole lot for me. I'm just not the target demographic for it. Right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, I, I would I would probably think it was kind of weird if you said your favorite movies was Dirty Dancing. So <laughs> okay, gross. And the, the thing about it is, like, it's not a it's not a bad movie. Okay, I've seen a lot no. of bad movies. It's fine. Uh, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. You know, I've ne I'd never seen it before. I've seen it now. I don't have to ever watch it again. But at the same time, if somebody is like, hey, I want to watch this and they want to have a movie night with it, I'm not going to roll my eyes and say, I hate that movie. Like, I don't hate it. It just, I, I'm yeah, somewhat It's not bad, but it's not great. It's, yeah. it's, but it's, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. Mm -hmm. That's Definitely. what it's all about. Um, for some people, at least. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's got Wayne Knight in it being uh, being as annoying as humanly possible. So yeah, he's, he's the he cat skills comedian. <laughs> but I mean, overall, like the the overall use of music in this is fine. Like I just I, I like that. It's just that last song because it's so very much an 80s sounding song. 
it just bugged me. Like, how does he have this on a record? Um, which I think my my actual. Well, okay, dancing montage, dancing montage, Newman, <laughs> dancing montage. Like I got a lot of notes like that. Um, I just found my note talking about the the hungry eyes montage when you were oh, talking it. about it, and I I was just saying, um, I just said like it's obviously falling in love. So yeah, I obviously noticed the purposeful music in that specific part too. So I get what you're saying. Oh, there was a um. There was a line read by Jennifer Grey that stuck stuck out to me. Um, like I say, for the most part, throughout the movie, I, she was mood swings or kind of personality quirks aside. She she did a very good job. But there was um, let me see if I can find it. Where was it? Well, there was there was this one which I just like this line. I'm scared of everything. You know, okay, I get that. It's weird <laughs> that she's scared of everything, but then very strong willed as well. Right. This was the one, though. Right after that, she says this. Most mm-hmm. of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. Yikes. Like, I'm right. sorry. It. If you like that line, if you like that movie, cool. For me, that felt like... It's cringy. Do that one again? You want, you want, to, want another take at that? Like, <laughs> maybe you could do a little better? I don't know. Maybe. It's just a horrible line in general. And, you know, it's it's on up there with nobody puts baby in a corner. That's one of the quotes that people are like, oh, it's so romantic. I don't feel like that's a romantic quote. I feel I like Johnny and baby are very problematic with their relationship. Anyway, I've got a lot to say about that. But her that line is very much a testament to being like a 17 year old girl. I think, uh, you know, I I think it's, yeah, it's very much like, you know, she's not in love with Johnny. She's in lust with Johnny and she's going to say anything. And that line, I guess, connects with a lot of people, not with me personally, but, um, it does seem very cringy when she says it. I will say it, it is, from from what I know uh, of me at 17, um, so I can only imagine what it's like as a 17-year-old girl, but it seems <laughs> like it's a very accurate representation of how you would feel at that age. Right. Yeah. I just think that, that her, it's like he's everything to her right mm-hmm. now, and she yeah. does it. And, 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 and also, you clearly see she's jealous of his relationship with Penny, so she's trying to say anything very to get true. Johnny to pay attention to her. So I think for me, I just wanted another take. Like they they did yeah. so many takes of so many other things in this movie. They could have done one more of that. You're gonna um, break Patrick Spacey's knees. You could take right. that a couple of times. Jennifer Grey can do one more take of that one. <laughs> um, the so the nobody puts baby in a corner thing. So that basically my knowledge of this movie prior to watching it was Patrick Swayze's in it, Jennifer Grey's in it. There's dancing and nobody puts baby in a corner. That's all I knew about this movie. Right. So my assumption for the last. 25 30 years i wanted to ask you this my assumption is that that has something to do with how she is being treated and that she is being held back by her parents that she's being like something along those lines that the movie revolved around some sort of a coming of age of her and like breaking away from her parents and all this and that was his way of standing up to her father and and freeing her from those shackles was the nobody Mm -hmm. puts baby in a corner which by the way i captured it sounds a little something like this Nobody puts baby in a corner. So she didn't know. So that's what I thought about it. That's not at all what it is. And honestly, that line makes zero sense whatsoever in context in this movie. It's a great soundbite. Yes. And when you take that soundbite and you put it to what you want it to be, if you if you form it and phrase it the way that I'm explaining it, it makes perfect sense in the movie. Dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> I, I laugh because I knew that part was coming up in the movie. And I, you know, watching it as an adult, I had all these new thoughts. And I'm like, wow, they're going to say that. And I have no idea why he's going to tell him that. You know, no clue. Yeah. I You're mean, like you said, it's a good soundbite. It's, 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 hey, they if they wanted a quote that was going to be on the best quotes forever of time or whatever that's what they got but yeah, which for the movie didn't do much yeah admittedly it makes a lot of those lists it was just one of those like as i'm watching it and i and and i realize oh that's coming up 
why is it going to say that to him now? Because he has no reason to say that to her dad. She's not even in a corner. She's like just sitting behind him. <laughs> Apparently, Patrick Swayze thought it was dumb too. Like he said, uh, oh, he did. At the time, he's like, this is a stupid line, but he mustered up all the courage he could to say it. Um, and from the movies that made us thing, there was a few people saying that like it was a terrible line. I thought it was hilarious in that. Okay. I, I have to mention this before I forget about it. So when they wrapped principal photography, they put a rough cut of the movie together. This was mm -hmm. a brand new movie studio, quote unquote, minor studio. So they, they brought in somebody from Hollywood to screen the movie for and get his opinion on it. He had mm -hmm. worked on, uh, I think he was a producer of trading, trading places and something else. They show him the movie. I can't remember his name now. I'll find it. Um, but they show him the movie. He watches it. He gets done. He looks at them and he says, burn the negative, collect the insurance. That was his opinion of the movie was, wow, just burn it down. Um, <laughs> he thought it was that bad. Uh, Honestly, I, I don't think it was that bad, but I don't think it was that bad, but I could see how a producer would. Be very nervous. No, obviously, I mean, honestly. They, they fixed a few things from there. And, okay. um, you know, I mean, a rough cut is yeah, that, that's tough. I mean, that, that would be like taking the first draft manuscript of a novel and thinking you're going to publish yeah. that. You're not going to. Right. You're not going to do that. But having said that, like, man, there's some bad lines in this movie. And that, that really, for as iconic and well known as Nobody Puts Baby in a Corner is, when it happened in the movie, I was like, that's it. That doesn't even. I don't. Anticlimactic. Like, yeah. It just. It just. Yeah. You can't really figure out why Johnny says that because, you know, Johnny is very whiny. Honestly, I mean, and then he's always complaining, and then you know, then he comes back after he gets fired. Nobody puts. And he's like this man. Nobody puts baby in a corner. So I'm not really sure what they're trying to portray there either. And I think it was a little misplaced. But once again, it's on all the movie lists. So I guess that's what they're going I for. Mean, my feeling in that is like a few of the other scenes and a few of the other lines like the, you know, I don't know who you are anymore, where it's almost like there was parts of the story that got cut out at varying stages. Like that's possible. There's, there's scenes that got cut before they even shot them. And they mm -hmm. left a line in and then it doesn't make sense. And there's stuff that they shot that they that hit the editing room floor that, you know, so I feel like there were parts of this story missing. It's not That's an overly long movie. Correct. And I kind of get that. But at the same time, like, I, f I just feel like there's pieces that we didn't see that would have made some of that make more sense. Right. But again, I thought this whole coming of age thing was about her kind of breaking out of the shell of the, the oppression of her parents. And her parents are not oppressive at all. Right. No, if anything, they're, they're incredibly <laughs> supportive of her. You know, mm -hmm. her, I mean, the mother character is barely in the movie. Right. But she's supportive of her at the end. And mm -hmm. the father is overall very supportive of her. So just my ideas of the movie were completely different than what it actually was. So there's that, too. I could see that. No, I, I honestly could see how that happened because it does seem like uh it would give a complete different meaning to the movie if you'd never seen it and only knew that line. So yeah. 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 But look, do I think it's a bad movie? No. Do I think that uh, everyone should rush out and see it? Not really either. But if, if you're into, if you're into dancing and music, it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing for the, the dancing that they do. Fabulous. Right? The music is great. The dance choreography is incredible. Um, yes. I mean that, that I can't take anything away from. Uh, if you like good plot and story and character development, there's some character development in here, but the story and the plot are going to confuse you at times. Um, but at the same time, I recommend seeing this movie for some of the social commentary that it makes. Yes, for sure. And look at it through the lens of this movie's 30 years old, and they were making these kinds of comments then that are even more salient points now. Absolutely. So... You know. I watched this again and, you know, I had all of these struggles we're talking about with the plot and the characters. But in the end, when I watched it, like as a whole, um, I was really happy with the commentary that they had. I mean, like I said, with the, the, the abortion issue and then the, the class prejudice issue and, you know, showing that um, 
there's a world out there that is not necessarily you have to change your worldview you know and uh i think that it really did a good job in the end of kind of bringing that together you know and and part of me wishes that maybe this movie had had a little more time to bake and a little more money to put into it and and really mm-hmm. kind of fix some of the things that i didn't enjoy about it mm-hmm. but i almost feel like that would have taken something away from the final product from what they produced because there is be a, a beyond everything else that i've said there's a ton of passion in this movie the director yes. had a lot of passion for it the director of this movie by the way was let's find him here emil ardolino hmm. now, if that name doesn't sound familiar to you that's because he didn't do a whole lot that would be super well known, and he died fairly young. Uh, he passed away in 1993 of AIDS. But uh, oh, I take that back. He directed the sequel to Three Men and a Baby called Three Men and a Little Lady. Oh well, there you go. There's another one we know. And Sister Act. Ah, uh, well, the other he must be uh, musicals are his forte, I guess. With yeah. The- Prior to Dirty Dancing, uh, he was known for, um, he had won an Oscar for short uh, called He Makes Me Feel Like Dancing. Um, One of the things that I did find was um, he shot a lot of coverage and a lot of almost documentary style when they would be doing take after take after take or Mm -hmm. stuff like them crawling towards each other at the one moment where where they're rehearsing and practicing. That wasn't part of the choreography. That was just them like warming up and goofing around. But he was rolling right. camera on that. Um, the scene where she brings her arm up and she keeps giggling and laughing. That wasn't that's scripted. That's my favorite. That's okay. my favorite scene. So, <laughs> that's not scripted. That's awesome. Fun little story about that. Not scripted. And in fact, her giggling was because she was exhausted and her blood sugar was apparently low. Patrick wow. Swayze's annoyance and during that scene is real because he just wanted to be done and go home for the night. So that's that real realism that you get. I think that's why that I like stuff. it. Cause it feels really authentic between that, the two of them. And that I did like, that was part of their chemistry. Like it right. felt like these two people where he's like, he's really trying to get her to learn this stuff and she wants to learn it. But at the same time, she's a 17 year old girl and she's yeah. just having trouble with it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, that that Emil uh, Emil Ardolino, um, Sister Act. That's a good movie. I I enjoy. Sister that is Act. a good movie. So, I like Sister Act too. It's a good one. I haven't seen that in forever. You know, it's it's unfortunate that uh, he passed away so young. He was only uh, fifty years old. That's not that's not very old at all. How old was Patrick Swayze when he passed? He was around uh, that age, right? He would have been. It was what, 2009? So he was in his mid-50s, I think. Yeah, so very sad. Still Greatly missed. 35 when he made this movie, though. He doesn't, he, he looks older than Jennifer Grey. He doesn't look 35. He doesn't, he doesn't look like, 35. He, he doesn't, but I'm, I, I was, their age difference looks really, really, really different to me when i was watching it i was very bothered by it you know i, I don't i was too and even even if they're supposed to be 17 and 20 it's like, still that's still yeah. a little bit but and i get like the in the 50s and 60s there was a lot less cringe involved in that contemporarily right, right. but my that was my feeling throughout the whole thing is she just seems really young for him and in in context in the movie so yeah that that age difference definitely was one and then you look at it through the lens of today and kind of how views on stuff like that have shifted it was it was a little bit tougher which maybe led to me not loving this movie the way that some people do it might that might be it you know i i i watched it through the lens of you know my life experiences and thinking about how it influenced me as a child and i'm like you know i'm looking at it like johnny's acting like a complete jerk to baby and i'm like oh my gosh my whole problem with men has been because i've been in love with johnny castle since i was little so i'm you know some you subconscious thing about yourself watching this movie than i was like And you know my and we made it. I made a joke with my friend. She's in a successful marriage. I'm like, it's because you didn't see Dirty Dancing. You didn't have Johnny <laughs> Castle as your, as your leading man. But no, um, they do reference a lot. I, I wrote down one line that really, really kind of bothered me. But it's when um, 
he asked when they're in bed together and he asked her um, what her real name is. And she said it was Francis. And he kind of pauses and he said, Francis, that's a really grown up name. And that kind of took me. I was yeah. like, is he trying to justify what he's doing in his mind? Like he almost seems like he's a little feeling a little guilty because of her age and then just kind of just goes through it. You know, that's, I think they meant to say more about that than people pick up on. Uh, you're probably not wrong there. And honestly, thinking about it now, I kind of had that same thought. Like, so he's asking her about a real name and then the way uh, I, it's a little, 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 it's cringy. Little, little, little it's like. It feels like he's a dirty old man and he's trying to justify being with this young girl. And, it, you know, and in the end, you're like, oh, you know, Johnny and baby. But it is, it's, it's kind of cringy, I have to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, yeah, that's Dirty Dancing. It's a good movie. Um, overall, I just, I'm not probably going to watch it again unless somebody I know really, really wants to. Monica, I, you mentioned in the chat already you want to do a movie night. I don't know. We, we can come up with something better. <laughs> we can come uh, up with something better than that. I'm curious um, if you're the people in the chat room have seen it since they were younger because I know most people I, I know have seen it as they were when they were children in the 80s. Well, we've got some fans of it. Kit London, Monica, um, uh, Ace, or, or Art, Artie, uh, I don't I can't remember the name. Uh, Lioness, um, if you are fans of this, have you watched it since you were younger? Do you watch it regularly or, or every so often? Did you see the sequel? Because I did not see that. I did not see that. Apparently, Patrick Swayze was the... offered $6 million to reprise his role in that, and he said no. Good for him. I, I felt like I don't watch a lot of sequels of movies I literally love unless I hear that the sequel is really good because uh, I, I feel like sometimes it ruins like some, like I feel like sometimes movies go on for money and they, they can stop at one, like uh, the matrix, for example, I feel like they could have made the matrix as one movie and been fine. And they make it three. And I love all those movies, but you know, sometimes sequels ruin it for me. Sometimes I think a movie is better left as it is. So I did, I didn't see the Havana nights one. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, it's funny you mentioned that with sequels because I've talked about that on the show a lot. I think there are certain movies that we watch uh, on this show or in general that I think work better when you can do a sequel or a series or like a Netflix style limited run series and right. flesh the story out. And I think there's other stuff like my thoughts on the Terminator when I, when we watched that for the show was if you had never made another movie after the Terminator, it's, I'm fine with that because it was such right. a good self-contained story. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. We've got uh, Monica, no to the sequel. Kit London, no on the sequel. And Lioness, See, they was, know how it is. No, saw the sequel, um, but uh, didn't say whether or not they liked the sequel. Um, so it sounds like it's pretty universal that nobody liked the sequel that has seen it. Um, but plenty of people that do watch it, uh, watch it regularly, still like the movie. Lioness hated the sequel yeah. as well. Okay, so. <laughs> I could say I liked it, you know, as an adult still, like we all talk, even, you know, with the plot, plot holes and the problems that had I, overall, I, like I said, I feel like it made a good commentary and on social yes. issues. Honestly, I will say this. If it weren't for some of the, the commentary and some of the underlying stuff that they did that I did like, not the cringy stuff, but the, the, that added to it a little bit, but the, some of the social commentary made it to where I didn't hate the movie. I think without right. that, I would have disliked this movie um it, it is, probably wouldn't have had much of a purpose if it didn't right know. it would have been much more vapid mm -hmm. um and i think that that adding that in gave it at least some some substance uh to kind of hold on to and make it a watchable movie yeah again for sure. it's not terrible i'm i'm not going to you know change the channel if it were on so to speak even though i have mm -hmm. no channels anymore to do that with but, <laughs> but i'm not running out to to buy this movie either that's yeah. that's me it's one of those ones where it, it's going to be dear to you if you watched it as a child, I think. And, and look, if this movie means something to you, that's awesome. And enjoy that because everybody needs to have movies like that in my For opinion. sure. Yeah. Well, Chrissy, thanks for coming on. This was tons of fun. It was great it was talking fun. to you. I haven't talked to him in forever. To I got years. I know. It's been years. Um, yeah. So I do this show every Sunday night, 8 p.m. right here on twitch.tv forward slash TV's Travis. Then I package it up, put it out as a podcast later on in the week. Um, next week, I have uh, somebody who has never seen 
Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh my god! <laughs> That's like one of my favorites ever. Oh, I'm so Same excited. Here. I have so to watch that. I am very much looking forward to to discussing that movie with somebody who's never seen it I before. I would love... Oh, that discussion's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> coming up to, after that, I've got uh, somebody who's never seen uh, John Wick. Um, so we're going to watch the first John Wick. I really enjoy that movie. You've never seen that? Well, I've never seen that. It's good. It's it's a good, fun action movie. Um, another one coming up I have is... Uh, I'm going to be watching Unforgiven for the first time ever. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't think I've I, ever seen that either. Uh it's from everything I hear it's good I mean it was an Oscar winner for best picture and it just I just never saw it so right. I've got Gerald from two peas on a podcast is uh I made him watch heat and he loved it so he's like we gotta watch uh we gotta watch unforgiven so we're doing that awesome. I also have a new show starting up tomorrow night on this same channel called let's watch Highlander where myself <laughs> and my friend Audie are going to live stream twitch party watch an episode of Highlander the series and then talk about it and we're starting with episode one, The Gathering. And I can't wait because I love this series in all of its cheesy glory. That's so much fun. <laughs> my, me and my, my sisters were talking about starting something like that where we do live commentary on, on shows because we're pretty funny. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, we got some good commentary. Well, I mean, look, it, for everybody out there, if you are interested at all, we're going to get started around 9 o'clock on Monday nights. Um, we'll watch the episode, and then afterwards we'll do a discussion of the episode similar to this show in format, um, but we're going to have more kind of segmented parts to that. Um, and then that discussion will get edited into a podcast as well. So if you just want the discussion part, you can just hear that. If you want to watch it live with us, you can do a live Twitch um, watch party. You do have to have Amazon Prime in order to do the live watch bit. But uh, that'll be starting up, uh, should be starting up tomorrow. So come check that out because that'll be a ton of fun. But again, Chrissy, thank you so much for being on. This was a ton of fun. We have to talk more often now. Absolutely. This is, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. I love it. And thank you to the chat room. Uh, it's always great to have people in the chat room uh, and seeing that scrolling. This show is available on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, or wherever you get shows um go to tvstravis.com is the the easiest way to find things um and also uh if you like the show go on to something like apple Podcasts, leave us a, a review that helps kind of make the show more presentable um in searches for other people so that is that but uh once again thank you for being on this is a ton of fun um come back next week for monty python and the holy grail be here and i like to say all the time to get out and enjoy your movies and in these weird times be excellent to each other this is what you haven't seen exactly like my mother. Dresses like her, acts like her. So I brought her home. My father doesn't like her. <laughs>